Hello and welcome back after a bit of a break to part two of our VGL Award Show. Joining me as always, changing dresses into the little red one. More like the other one just uh, split open. It, it, it was a casualty. Uh, caffeine rage. <laughs> On today's show, we will be continuing, as I said, the VGL Awards for 2022. Having blocks three and four this episode. And uh, having our world-famous, uh, world-renowned Podcast Game of the Year Award at the end. Of which, after which we will be sending a trophy of some kind to the winner. Uh, uh, facts. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it, we've inverted the color, so it's uh, a white uh, outline on a black sheet. So it, it might not be the best thing for some people. Right. It, we will. But, but, I mean, for some, for some, for some of these awards, you know, it's very fitting. <laughs> right. We'll send a fax of a trophy. Go to. Go to. Kinko's. Actually, I've got a fax machine at work. Yeah, but remember, for some of these awards, it's just a black page. Actually, True. several black pages. And then at the end, it just says, fuck you. <laughs> you know, I, it's been a while since I've said I hate fax. I know we were just we were just about <laughs> to start, but let me tell you, fax sucks. It's fucking ye- current year 2023 of our Lord and Savior Gaben. I don't know why we still use faxes. If because you have business. If you have no other means of communication, fine. But secure email exists. It's faster. It's easier. Fax faxing sucks. I hate faxing. Anyways, rant over. Very short rant. Can't get too distracted before we even begin. Speaking of that beginning though, would you like to I think I started last time. Would you like to start this time? Sure. So kicking off block three with the knee scratcher, uh, that game that filled that little niche and just scratched it real good. Something that you may not even realize that you had until you played the game. And for me, it was Splatoon 3 uh, this year. And I didn't go into this game plan because I played the uh, the kind of the announcement demo slash Splatfest Splat. That slash, uh, yeah, uh, teaser. And Splatoon works really well as a console shooter without feeling like the game is playing itself, which has been an issue I've had with console shooters in the past where the aim assist is just so strong that you even look at somebody and you know, it feels like your crosshair is just magnetically attached to them. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, Splatoon uses the Switch's gyros in combination with the right thumbstick to have the not quite as good as a mouse and keyboard would be, but very close, where the big movements are handled by the joystick uh, with the gyros doing fine-tuning. And it felt so damn comfortable, and once you... once you get used to it natural, which is kind of scary. It makes me want to try the uh, the uh, Steam controller again in that configuration with the uh, gyros and it used uh, as a fine control on a first-person shooter. Maybe I should have done that for Bulletstorm, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, you could go back and test it, I guess, if you wanted to. I'm not sure if Boltstorm would be the proper one for that. I'll have to I'll have to have a think about that one. Uh but uh, that and also the humor of the game, you know, how kind of over the top it is. And just how stylish it is. You know, it kind of I've been wanting to have a you know, multiplayer shooter I play occasionally for uh, quite a while, but all of them just been so grindy and so lousy with microtransactions that they've been off-putting to me, you know? Yeah. So, to have something that technically it does have a battle pass, it has a, uh, a you know, the treadmill in it with the catalog, but it's not an additional purchase. There's no marker transactions in the game whatsoever. Everything is in-game currency uh, as a uh, free currency that you get by doing your battles and that sort of thing. And it's just felt really welcoming to me and also uh, go, uh, going around the uh, uh, town whenever you're connected to online which is pretty much always it uh, populates uh, the uh, town with uh, <laughs> with uh, other players and you see what they draw in their splash tags it's so many furries right <laughs> uh, and <laughs> it's just hilarious and it's been a, a real treat to me so, yeah. Nice. So, I've been uh, making a mess, and you clean it up. Yeah, so mine was uh, Power Wash Simulator. Uh, Power Simulator came to Game Pass last year. I don't know, actually, when it came out, um, but played it last year. And that just, I mean, that, I think Power Wash Simulator is, like, the definition of niche scratcher. Playing a game that's all about using a pressure washer to clean stuff um, and just, ve- you know, going through very slowly, very methodically, just the sound of the spray and then the various nozzles creating different spray. And there, I mean, certainly there are gameplay elements to it. Um, you build up money, you can get uh, cosmetics and newer gear. Um, it, also, no microtransactions. It's just all things that you can buy with the cash you earn in the game through doing the uh, the regular story campaign and then challenges that pop up on kind of a rotation. Um, there's a, a bit of a story. I mean, essentially, you're starting this pressure washing company, but there's a few kind of wacky characters that show up and some weird story beats as you're cleaning things but they just kind of show up in the background it's very easy to ignore if if you want to ignore it um it's just very very soothing and calming it was good podcast uh good podcast gameplay for me and also good for whenever i uh talk to people on discord um i've got a few people that i i kind of regularly talk with to just check in on to make sure they're okay um, and whenever I do, I will play Power Wash Simulator and talk to them. Actually, I did do therapy with a couple of people this year using Power Wash Simulator. Uh, we played together. Um, if you're listening out there, you know who you are. Um, and if not, I'll tell you at our next session that I mentioned you on our podcast again that we played Power Wash Simulator together. But yeah, lovely game. Um, very calming, very relaxing. The definition of a knee scratcher in my mind. So, yeah, leading into uh, something or transitioning from something 
that scratched a niche and made us feel good to something that made us feel disappointed. The greatest disappointment of the year. And this is anything that can be gaming related. And for me, I mean, there was a lot of things and there was some bad stuff that uh, came up in the the part one. There's a couple other bad things that are going to come up in uh, part two. But one of the things that I was the most disappointed in was Chris Pratt being pulled to voice Mario in the Mario animated movie. Um, actually, when does that release? Is it out? Did it come out I already? I think it's out sometime this year. Very quickly. Because I remember the trailer uh, was, dropped. Uh, April. Okay. April 7th to be exact. Okay. So, yeah. The the news. I never, I never even watched the uh, trailer. I just saw bits and pieces of it. So the movie looks pretty good. Um, I mean, the trailer kind of showcases a little romp through the Mario video games. Uh, there's some Mario Kart. There's Smash Brothers. There's Mario Tennis. You get your classic Mario stuff that they show in the trailer. The casting, for the most part, is great. I mean, the standout in the movie, um, at least from the trailer, is Jack Black doing the voice of Bowser. Mm. Perfect. Love it. But Chris Pratt, number one, Chris Pratt does not have a very good vocal range. He's a fine actor when he stays in his lane. He's kind of a, you know, kind of a big, dumb action comedy guy is his niche. And, like, that's fine. I'm not saying that to, like, disparage him as an actor. Like, plenty of people get typecast in one or two types of roles. And those are the things that they they do the best. So I'm not saying that is necessarily bad. I'm thinking that they pulled him almost exclusively for star power. (laughs) Star power. For his... Yeah, because of his, you know, essentially being the goofy guy from the Avengers. Um, You know, I know that that there's, you know, more to it than that, but I think that's how most people see Chris Pratt now. He's the goofy guy from the weird Marvel movies and in the Avengers. But Chris Pratt is a horrible piece of shit human being. He's a, a right-wing uh anti-LGBTQA plus fundy um who is just a bad person and he doesn't have a good Mario voice. He's doing kind of the stock, like, hey, it's a me, I'm an Italian plumber, kind of, like, accent. It's terrible, and every time I think about Mario being played by, you know, a hardcore religious fanatic idiot, it makes me feel disappointed inside. Just just get Mario's actual voice actor. He's still around. Yeah. So, yeah, I was disappointed in that. Chris Pratt doing Mario's voice. Yeah, for me, it's also a little bit of nostalgia uh, playing into this because, right? Yeah. Uh, it's Square Enix selling off a bunch of its Western IPs. I mean, practically all of them to fund NFTs. So, hey, NFTs are back and they're on my side this time because I yep. only talked about them last time. So, I have a history with well, Square Soft turning into Square Enix. Yep. Uh, in high school, absolutely loved the Final Fantasy series. Uh, you know, going into Chrono Trigger, I never played Chrono Cross back in the day. And actually still need to finish it. You know, it's one of those games that you really have to commit to and have to play hardcore because 
there's so much going on that you don't want to you know, play it and then drop it for a bit and pick it back up, you know? Yeah. So, seeing Squ- uh, Square Enix now, uh, just basically dropping the Western market in general, and I know I mentioned JRPGs, but yeah, Square Enix was a lot more than that. And also seeing them just bumble over and over again the Western market, seeing them... I absolutely loved the first uh, reboot of Deus Ex. And then as soon as I heard about the ending of the second one, basically setting up a sequel, I figured I'd just hold off and wait. Uh, And then, hey, they canceled it for (laughs) fucking adventures. Right? Yep. So it's kind of been a long time coming, this being on here. And it's just for NFTs, right? Right. Yep. Uh. Although, it warms my heart to know that a bunch of rich executives got bamboozled by NFTs. In theory, but at the same time, you know, golden parachutes and clauses, they're not getting bamboozled. The company is. True. And... I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about Embracer Group, because at one point, you know, on one hand, you know, seeing a uh, group building, you know, a bunch of NF, or sorry, uh, you know, taking the NFT clusterfuck and making essentially the Infinity Gauntlet of IPs, right? Yeah. Uh, to turn it around back to Marvel, right? Uh, is concerning but at the same time you know it's good to see you know some of these classic uh, gaming franchises get out of uh where enix's uh, hands so it's just oh i trust them to to try to make money Mm -hmm. and that means that some new stuff will get made and probably a lot of it's going to be garbage and i'm sure there will be some things that are good and i'm going to try to focus as much as I can on enjoying the good things that come out of this mess. So speaking of messes, the Maybe I'm Old Award. And this is one that we agree on. The play date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something that uh, is just we don't get because we're old. And I look at the play date and it looks like it should be half the price of what it is. I don't get it. Did we ever talk about the play date on the show proper? I don't think we. I don't think we really ever talked about it. We may have mentioned it in passing, but I don't think we ever really talked about a in-depth thing about it. So the play date is a handheld Game Boy esque console with a D-pad and two buttons, but it has a crank on the side and a monochrome screen where uh, they you download. Uh, games uh, via the internet, and they had this like the, uh, subscription's not the proper term for it, but a drip feed of games. So whenever you first get it, it only has like a couple games, and as the season goes on, uh, even uh, even way way past where you bought it. So if you bought one right now, which I don't recommend. Uh, you'd get the first two games and then every week for the next 12 or no, yeah, 12 weeks, you get another pair of games that you can play on top of the previous ones. Yep. And it's just, eh? I just, this, 
the internet just went fucking nuts for it. I didn't know it existed for a while, and then I heard about it a little later in the year, and then it, it I looked... lit up my YouTube feed at one point. Yeah, uh, uh, pretty much every gaming YouTuber that's not yeah you know, like Nintendo or PC specific talked about this fucking thing. It was just crazy. The way and... I feel about it, and I don't, you know, obviously I have no idea if this is this is the how it is or not, but the way I feel about it is every single one of those weird little novelty toys from like the late nineties, early two thousands that were like tie-ins to movies and shit that were like really cheap plastic garbage that had, you know, a couple of buttons and then like some other thing on it. And it's like, this ties into the star Wars movie or this ties into, I don't know, whatever property you're interested in. Like, that's what I think about it. And I think that that's like the maybe I'm old portion of this. It's like, I mean, it, is there something that uh, uh, that they could do interesting by having a closed platform? Like, well, yeah, technically it's not a closed platform. People can develop for it uh, and build a game on it. But uh, having this weird handle thing on the side that uh, it just it feels weird. Yeah, it and maybe, you know, it, it feels more like a toy than a handheld game console, which, you know, we kind of got into that discussion mm-hmm. last week, a couple weeks ago, about Nintendo and the way they approach gaming more as, like, mm-hmm. video games being toys and, like, all that jazz. So, like, it's not like that's a bad thing. I'm not trying to, trying to say mm-hmm. it's a bad thing. It's just weird. It's just weird. I don't understand it. And I'm fundamentally afraid of things I don't understand. Now that I'm old. Okay, that, now I need to go uh, hunting for something because... What are you going hunting uh, for? It's I.O. actually has a f- decent number of Playdate exclusive games. So there is a bit of a market here, but that, I, I just look at them all and it's just... You know, this feels... Okay, this might just tie into nostalgia that I'm not getting. Because I played through the Game Boy era, I played through the, you know, that time of gaming. But it's just, uh, why are people suddenly going after this, right? Yeah. I mean, it is a novelty. It is Mm -hmm. different by modern standards. That's the only thing I can think of. It's just like a different thing for a new generation. And, you know, that's okay. At the same time, it feels really weird to have. Uh, I think it's also the price is off-putting. I mean, it's $180. Yeah, you could buy, you know, a Switch for that. I mean, you could buy a used Switch and get some games with it for $180. Or really, any other used console from the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Or, the, you know, the previous generation or two, rather. Xbox 360, PS3, PS4. You could buy one of a number of emulation-based handhelds. Oh, I could build a Game Boy for this. True. I, I could build two. <laughs> I'm just and glad my kid hasn't seen it, because my kid would want one. But he hasn't seen it. He doesn't know it exists. Maybe it's also just the fact that there are so many other options for handheld gaming uh, that having a bespoke thing now that's its own weird, like, side shoot uh, is also odd. Yeah. I will say, I do think a lot of the games look cute, even if I don't understand them. Mm -hmm. It does hit a certain nostalgic tick 
with uh, the with the high cam- contrast, black and white, uh, low resolution screen. Looks cute, but it's it's not two hundred dollars cute, and that's saying something. I'll waste a lot of money on cute shit. Yeah, and hey, a whole new generation could uh, suffer through the uh, fact that they have an LCD screen and no fucking backlight. And no backlight, yeah. Suckers, get used to that shit. I mean, granted, you know, for its actual era, like, that was great. That was all you had. And we liked it, damn it. But yeah, kids, or, you know, even young adults, being used to having backlit screens and... <laughs> You know, all that... And color screens. And color. All that fancy shit. And for a rude awakening. But yeah. <clears throat> the Playdate was, was an interesting little little thing. We'll see how well it does. I mean, I, you know, as far as I know, the developers haven't done anything wrong or bad, so I wish them success. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. <clears throat> um, let me get back over here to the list page. So next, the video game Let me restart that. The Video Game Logic Award. Ding. This is the award for something we came up with that was the most video game logic-y of video game logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked Lake. Um, I had some, a few particular issues with Lake. Uh, the Game oh, Club I game for... issues with Lake. <laughs> yeah, the Game Club game for, I believe, March. It was this, this past year. But Lake does the video game thing where that if you're not in the exact precise location, something won't work. And like I had several times that I thought the game had glitched out or had broken because I was trying to park the truck, for example, at back at the post office at the end of the day. And it just wasn't working. And I had to pull into like the precise spot that it wanted. Or walking up to someone's house, sometimes something wouldn't trigger if you didn't walk into the exact specific location. Yeah, their Just, triggers were a little wonky. Yeah. And, you know, that's pretty simple and straightforward, but that's not something that I've experienced in a long time in a video game, that I, at least that I can recall. Um, so, you know, a little bit of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Games used to struggle with this all the time, and you weren't sure if something was broken or if you were just standing in the wrong place. <laughs> so, short and sweet on that one. Just a little bit of video game logic. Yeah, mine is also a, a game club game, a more recent one, uh, Titanfall 2. Uh, the fact that the player character could just jam something up his ass and run like, yo, it's no problem. And for a lot of the game, it's not that big a deal. You know, the Titan batteries feel like they're made to, like, hook on the belt or something. But uh, one level in particular, and, it, and much like the Game Club uh, episode, it comes back down to that goddamn uh, uh, satellite dish again. <laughs> uh, there's a point that you have to install a module onto it. And it feels like it's the size of a microwave. It's just, where is he carrying this, right? Yeah. I it's mean, that classic hammer space dimension yeah. thing. Exactly, which is what I have it listed on our list as the Titanfall 2 hammer space. The, the Titan batteries are already kind of pushing it because those are already pretty massive and look pretty heavy. And for most games, you could 
kind of waved that away with, uh, you know, like he has it on his back or something because, you know, video game characters are usually at least somewhat sluggish. And this one is not sluggish. This is all about speed and parkour and being very agile and carrying something that, you know, is essentially a microwave. Uh, feels very video game logic-y, right? Yeah. The only video game reason that I could think of for why it would work, like, sort of in-universe, they might be like, oh no, you see, we... Because I think the suit is supposed to have, like, a powered exoskeleton component to it. I don't think that's explicitly stated. I think there's just, like, a scene that it shows, like, some... There's a scene where it's, yeah, still recalculating... uh, is like jets or something. Yeah. But you know, that's still video game logic bullshit. Fine. All I mean, powered exoskeletons do exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe someday they'll be able to do stuff like that through further miniaturization and improvements on the technology. But you know, that's, it's that's, you know, still in the realm of video game logic bullshit, but in a, in a, in a good way, I guess. Could be much worse. So, uh, my turn again? Your turn again. So, biggest flop uh, that was not Evolve <laughs> uh, for the year. Which, I think we're the only ones that even think about Evolve these days. <laughs> right? And it's just for that stupid joke. <laughs> so, uh, video games that just kind of came out and just immediately fell on its face. And for this year, I gotta give it to Babylon's Fall. Uh, what's Babylon's Fall? I almost what? said as a joke. <laughs> what? What's that? So, uh, hey, Square Enix is back on the list. How about that? So, Babylon's Fall was their online-only looter... Uh, well, it, uh, okay, so it's a Platinum Games... Uh, uh, games as a Service game. That should tell you uh, pretty much everything you need to know, right? Yep. And they tied it to a bunch of uh, Iker transactions, a bunch of different currencies. And the game was <laughs> just not played. It, it, it had an all-time peak of 1,166 people on Steam. That should be telling enough as it is, right? Yeah. It came out in March and it shut down uh, or I'm just double-checking my dates. I'm sorry, it will shut down in February. So, right? Yep. Play uh, play taps, pour one out for this game that nobody's going to remember. Probably most people have already forgotten. I think most people didn't even know it was a thing. In Platinum Games, having Platinum Games tied to something like this that just flopped, I think it's even more telling. Yeah, Platinum Games heard. is a studio that can carry games and properties. I mean, I never even heard of this game until I heard about it shutting down. It's like, what What? What the fuck is this, right? Yeah, same. There's just so many games as a service games. That, uh, uh, well, Square Enix had three of them that shut down in under a year. There's just so many of them out there, out there now that what Ubisoft was trying to push and everybody kind of pushed back against is coming true. The fact that there's so many out there now that people just don't have the time to play them all. They're going to find one, maybe two to stick with 
and then everything else is just going to be falling by the wayside and just not get the uh you know the player base needed yeah i was i mean we've talked about that before too at length in many episodes like that market's just untenable there are room for a few you know big sort of tent pole ones that represent a few major genres and then that's it there's just no more room for that type of game because like you just said and like we've said before the mm-hmm. people only have so much time in in their lives and there's only so many genres that you can put these games into yeah i mean how uh choco uh, gp is also you know, up there uh, for a uh, biggest flop for the same I, reason yeah i almost put chocobo gp in in as mine speaking of mine I picked a game that I don't think I ever talked about on the on the show this year, uh, which is Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song. Vampire the Masquerade, along with a few other tabletop franchises that have existed and just kind of kept puttering along for a decade or so, um, has had a really big resurgence. Now, the game, the video game, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, kind of a cult classic. We did it a few years ago for Game Club. I liked it more than you did. Um, just had so many uh, mechanical issues with it. I had, yeah, I had some problems with it because of the age of the game. But that was my first ever experience with Vampire: The Masquerade with that universe, and now it's one of my favorite tabletop games to play. And you know, as I've I mentioned at the end of every show, like you know, a couple times a month, I'm yeah running a game that. Some of my one of my players is streaming um, of of Vampire the Masquerade. Like I love that world, and quite a few of the vampire video games that have came out, um, I have checked out over the last couple of years. Just kind of waiting for Ma- Vampire the, the Masquerade Bloodlines two. It's been delayed several times. At one point, it was delayed indefinitely because of COVID, and I actually don't remember what they've said about that. Uh... Do a quick googling. Uh, it's still they have yeah they still haven't given it a, a a definite release date. Um, they were asked about a twenty recently they were asked about a twenty twenty three release date and they would not give any specifics. So who knows? This game might be in development hell. But um, several Vampire the Masquerade games have released over the last few years. A couple of them are kind of choose-your-own-adventure-style games. There's one that's a third-person free-to-play action shooter, which is better than you would expect. Um, Swan Song was a third-person kind of in that vein of, like, Telltale-esque games. Um, and uh, it's about eight, ten hours long. Um, just And it's just a story. Uh, no action um, other than like sort of sometimes you have to make decisions uh, with the clock ticking and it's awful. It looks pretty. They did a good job with for, you know, for uh, what's what's the term that you coined or that someone coined bull shots. Yeah, bull shot. Was like it where obviously edited or unrealistic screenshots. Yeah, it makes beautiful screenshots, but in motion, it looks terrible. The voice acting is bad. They like it's just bad. It's just real bad. And I, I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to some some good good Vampire the Masquerade action, and it was just bad. 
So I, I never even I never even mentioned it. It just flopped. It had very poor sales numbers. The community panned it, rightfully so. So that was my most disappointing game of the year. One that, again, I don't think most people have heard of. Uh, is it my turn? I haven't heard about it. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, it's my turn. Uh, so next up is our least favorite game club game of the year. Now, this one was was interesting, I have to say. We had a lot of really good games this year, and not very many, if any, that I would say were categorically bad. There were a couple that were kind of, I guess you could say, meh. So I sorted through, and you you actually picked my other sort of <laughs> option. I doubt that mine was, was even on in your contention, but I picked Pokemon Ultra Sun. Pokemon Ultra Sun was not a bad game. I had a good time with it when I, it you know, when I played it. It just starts very slowly. It starts very slowly, and I'm just not a big Pokemon fan. Um, you know, this made me more interested in the series. This made me interested in in possibly trying Legends Arceus or, um, you know, the new, the other new one whose name I'm drawing a blank on. Uh, what is it? Sapphire and uh, no. Scarlet and Violet. Scarlet and Violet. Thank you. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe especially next month, they're supposed to have a big patch. So we'll see what that does. Right. Yeah. But I just was like, yep, this is some Pokemon. This is just some more Pokemon for me. Um, after I, you know, after I kind of dwell, uh, dwelled on it a little bit. Cause then I went, you know, when we talked about it for game club, I was like, yeah, I had a pretty good time with this. Like it was, it was pretty fun. I might go back and play it some. And then kind of the more I thought about it, the more I was like, nah, it's just some more Pokemon. I don't, I probably don't, I'm probably not going to play that. And it, and I haven't, I haven't touched it since. So I do think though, that's a testament to the picks that we had this year. Yeah, true. Uh, but yeah, I will say that uh, it's like the last, or uh, that generation's like the last one that's, of really of that era, you know, of being very linear because the next two, well, obviously the newest one is completely non-linear or at least in its expiration. Don't get me started about how you progress, but, and then the one previous, it has some uh, spaces that are very wide and open to check out. So, it's the last. It's the last one that ha- was a uh, corridor fate, uh, uh, or corridor running uh, uh, exclusively. About that. Yeah. So yeah, mine. Uh, well, since you said the other pick. I don't think you're going to argue uh, with me. I'm Fancy Twelve. I just could not get into this game, and it just feels like. Uh, that single player MMO just graded on me where there was so much of it. I feel felt like it was tied to just archaic mechanics that I got tired of and yeah, world of Warcraft, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, the, uh, the one interesting thing where you could, you know, uh, get these bounty boards and go off massive difficulty spikes. I mean, absurd uh, difficulty spikes. I'm not sure if it's just, you know, I didn't program my uh, party well enough because there was this 
the uh, one interesting thing about it was that you could kind of control the AI for your party members uh, through the uh, and I'm blanking on the name but that they gave it, but essentially it the, it's the job system. I don't remember if that's what it's called in 12 or not, but that's what it becomes in later Final Fantasy games mm-hmm. is the job system. Uh, where you could have like, uh, yeah, uh, the checklist of uh, is any party member below like 50%? If so, cast heal. If not, go to the next uh, thing, go to the next thing, go to the next thing, go to the next thing. And that's really interesting to be able to tailor uh, your party members to do what you'd want. But the fact that the progression is all tied to this one board that makes everybody feel so so much the same. Uh, the one interesting character is, you know, not the main character. The and the main character is Blanding McBlanderson. I mean, it, he's so bland. I expected him to pop up in Watch Dogs. Hey, <laughs> there's just so much against this game. It's not a terrible game, and I'm sure once you got into it, it would be a lot more interesting. But it also has the problem with the Final Fantasy uh, formula, where you know, you're looking at 20 or 30 hours of mediocre, at best, gameplay till it gets actually intriguing uh, to uh, maybe uh, slightly interesting, and then maybe another 15 to 20 hours to really get into it. And it's just, oh, right? Yeah. And I mean, you basically listed off every reason why I would have talked about it. The the thing for me, and why I decided Pokemon over Final Fantasy, well, the two things. Uh, one, you already had Final Fantasy on your list when I went to put <laughs> Pokemon, or when I, when I put Pokemon on there. So yeah. I didn't want to exactly copy you since it was my other choice. And two, I still have Final Fantasy, like, air quotes, installed. I mean, you know, I emulated it. but. Mm-hmm. You know, like I still have it, and I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I will go back and play this some more. And I do this with all so many of the Final Fantasy games. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm almost past that 25 hour hurdle or whatever before it gets good. And I'm just lying to myself. I know I'm never going to go back and play this game. Yeah, and again. I, I, and I do think that the fact that they had all the jobs on the same board really hurt the uh, uh, my interest in the game. So uh, the the thing with this game was that as you leveled up, you got job points that allowed you to unlock things on this essentially checkerboard. And it was like two different co- uh, ones that you uh, would go be that you could go between. Uh, but and they were exactly the same for everyone. So unless you specifically went off and started delving into a different area of it it would really incentivize you to, okay, well, I know that this magic, this magic, this magic is here because I've unlo- uh, it's cleared on another character. And it's really handy to have everybody be able to heal themselves, right? Yeah. And that, and they had one character that was practically a mute uh, that would just sit and glare at you, uh, you know, f- throughout most of the cutscenes. Uh, and they offset that, her with David Bowie, because, right? Yep. Uh, David there, Bowie, though, is interesting, yeah. I'll, at least. Uh, he should have been the main character. <laughs> yeah, he should have been. Uh, th- th- there, there, there was talk online that um, if he was supposed to be the main character and they changed it later on or not, and it's it, 
Uh, it's most likely not. But they accidentally made the most interesting character, the one that you know, you only interact with, uh, you know, after, what, like, five hours? Yeah. Final Fantasy does that with a lot of their main characters, though. It makes them very kind of bland and uninteresting. True. I'm sure if I went back and played my favorite, it, it would be like, why did I like this character? Because uh, Final Fantasy IX also has the... Well, Final Fantasy IX also picks up a lot quicker because it splits the gameplay between three main characters uh, at the beginning instead of having you kind of wander around this uh, uh, rather bland city. Although, the okay, I shouldn't say bland city. Uh, there is a lot of detail there, but there's not a lot to do. Because sure, you could go uh, look at you know uh, some of the shops, but you're not gonna have the money. And technically, you could go out and ground it, but you know it, that kind of comes back to the whole MMO mechanic. Final Fantasy Seven starts out well, Eight starts out shit, Nine starts out well. I would say Ten... Nine is the best out of the PlayStation One era uh, uh, on start. Yeah, Ten. Starts ten lies to you. Ten starts has, really exciting, yeah. and then it's got a long lull, and then it builds up again. Eleven was an MMO, and then twelve is where it's twelve, was 12 also an MMO. Twelve, twelve has got a very long, boring start, and so does thirteen. Fucking Final Fantasy thirteen. It genuinely is like twenty hours before that game opens up. Frustrating as hell. I would never tell anybody to play through it. Like, it gets good. I mean, does the game get better? Yeah. But to sit through 20 hours of garbage, unless you're a, a big Final Fantasy fan, not worth it. Save yeah. yourself. Yeah, and honestly, after playing Final Fantasy 12 and trying Final Fantasy 13 on Game Pass, uh, I'm looking at the tra- uh, look at the trailers for the next one. Uh, for And it's just... I'm just gonna hate this. <laughs> Why even bother at this point? The the one where uh, all these summons are the playable characters or something like that? I haven't seen that. I haven't been paying attention to that. Maybe I should, but I, I'm not. I still haven't even played Final Fantasy 15. Oh, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 15, and it's just once again bland. Yeah. Uh, actually, Final Fantasy 16 is going to be out this year in June. So, so any anything else? Uh, no, outside of do you need a break for to or we get to our last block? Nope, I'm good. Alrighty then. So moving on to the the golden word award for the biggest dick move of the year. Uh for me, there 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 could be only one: the Bayonetta three kerfuffle. Helena Taylor, you utter dickbag. She. Th- <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Uh, she threw not only the plight of voice actresses or actors, or if or whatever gender neutral term you want to uh, use, under the bus by lying outright. Uh about her payment and everything to uh, try to 
I don't even know what her end game was. What she was trying to uh, force bigger pay, or uh, if she was because you know, by that point, you know, she lost the job. She was going to yeah have them re uh, yeah stop the game and uh, release and re-record everything and yeah right yeah uh if they uh or uh, whatever her end game was uh she threw shade at Jennifer Hale and Jennifer Hale was completely innocent in this and probably didn't even know that yeah yeah uh the backstory behind it because she probably had her agent get the job for her so uh, got a lot of hate on Jennifer Hale, and then also had the whole uh uh you know, don't uh don't buy the game instead uh here uh, uh donate to charity and listed an anti LGBTQ uh, charity because right yeah I I don't know if this is true or not I don't know if this has been confirmed so treat this as speculation but the thing that I had heard is that it was a personal like vendetta she had a personal slide against somebody on the dev team and once they let her go she decided she was going to get back at them by you know stirring up bad publicity yeah i i mean saying that she was offered only four thousand dollars to reprise her role and then suddenly oh no it was actually uh something like 20 to twenty-five thousand uh across all the sessions and the what she was stating was her per session thing, which would be a day, essentially. So, right? Yeah. I hate when someone shitty as well makes a, like one good point. Because it's like, yeah, voice actors should be paid more for the work that they're done. Voice acting is a very legitimate type of acting that requires a lot of skill. And you can do real harm to yourself and your your vocal cords if you get pushed too hard in performance. Um, and they should be recognized and, and given more pay and whatnot. But, god damn it, why did it have to be such a piece of shit person who, like, made this an yeah, issue? The, yeah, the one good point was completely obfuscated by the fact that, one, she lied. Two, she was pushing uh, you know, her hate on uh, through the charity system. It's just, oh. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, she gets a giant middle finger. So, yeah. So, mine uh, is Microsoft. So, Microsoft is buying, is in the process, has started. I don't know where they're at, legally speaking, but Microsoft bought Activision or is trying to. Um,. And this has resulted in just a year-long shit show that's still going. Um, because, well, many things. So, last year, maybe in 2021, I don't remember when this happened. When uh, Activision Blizzard King uh, executives were uh, exposed by various staff um for essentially being the huge pieces of shit that we all knew that they were lots of stuff about sexual harassment um photos and videos and you know casual reference to to like rape and sexual assault by the executives people being put into very compromising positions 
um, mistreatment of workers, primarily directed at at uh, women, people of color, and then people in the uh, queer communities. But really, if you were an executive, you know, in the executive class, you were being shit on at that company, essentially. Microsoft swoops in, goes to buy it. Many, many rumors abound. I think that Division Blizzard King is trying to launder their reputation by being bought by Microsoft. And, you know, Microsoft says, oh, they're going to clean house. They're going to fix it. We can trust Activision Blizzard again. Fucking Microsoft. Oh, think I think my biggest dick move of 2023 just happened. The uh, is, is somebody somebody mark this all of the layoffs, Microsoft laying off something like 15,000 employees. Maybe that was Google. Somebody laid off like 10,000. Somebody else laid off like 15,000 employees. Um, anyways, fuck, fuck Microsoft. They're better than some of the others, but they're still garbage. But Microsoft comes, tries to buy Activision Blizzard. They get taken to court uh, by both Sony and by the uh, FTC for possible monopolizing practices. Sony making claims about how Microsoft is going to get a de facto monopoly in the gaming space because they're going to own so many of the other major competitors. And just the amount of mudslinging. It's all garbage. It's all a mess. It's kind of fun to watch, but also it's just really shitty to think about all the people who are being harmed by this whole process. Just Microsoft being a dick. I do, as far as companies go, I like Microsoft, but I don't give them a pass. They've been in trouble with the U.S. government before for monopolizing practices, and, you know, they're kind of in trouble again for maybe doing the same thing. Just real dick move, Microsoft. Real big dick move. So, yeah, that brings us to our next category, which is the I'll Be Back Award which is a game you plan on returning to later for any reason. And this is my, I figured out how to slide Battletech into another award show award. I'm about to ban Battletech. <laughs> really, I should put um, uh, the Battletech Advanced mod. Uh, I played it, you know, last year, as I do, and then I didn't play it for something like six months. Um, because as the uh, you know, that game has finished about, has been, uh, its development has been completed for years now. Um, and it's the modding community that's really keeping that game going. And every so often, I'll change my mod out and I'll try a new mod, um, and see how its development has been going. And, uh, so yeah, Battletech coming back to check in on some mods next year, this year, seeing how that community continues to develop the game. And for me, uh, let's get away from Battletech for once and uh, go to Cuphead. So Cuphead released its DLC finally this year. It was pushed back quite a bit, if I recall correctly. Uh, you know, mostly due to COVID. And Cuphead's also a game I never actually finished, or even feels like I got close to finishing because, oh, Cuphead gets difficult, right? <laughs> Yes, it does. But but it's uh, that difficulty of fe- yeah, fair but tough instead of haha got you. So the yeah, it's 
it, it feels really good to win outside of feeling, you know, like, oh, well, the game finally didn't take me over. So I, I picked up the DLC during the Christmas sale. So I do plan on trying that out and trying out the new character because, right? Ooh, there's a new character. Yeah, right, in the uh, DLC. Uh, Miss Chalice. Oh, who, nice. Who I think is actually the easy mode character. But also it has... Now, now I need to actually double check my uh, I, numbers on this. I was wanting to say how many new bosses there were, but I don't see it on the store page. Which is annoying. Uh, yeah, there's 12 new bosses in the uh, uh, DLC. I wanted to say 10 to 12, so I was close. I mean, yeah, yes. And that's quite a bit of content for Cuphead. 12 yeah. bosses doesn't sound like a lot until you realize, oh, these are going to be fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, 12 bo- bosses could equate to hours and hours of gameplay, depending on how good or you know bad you are. So, moving along to the Uncanny Valley Award. Yes. So, Pokemon's back. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And for me, it's just how often you ran into... It's not even the bugs. Which, honestly, didn't really encounter that many outside of camera glitches, which is pretty much most games these days. You know, having a camera clip into something that shouldn't. Uh, It's... Okay, Pokemon went to a lot of trouble to try to integrate the Pokemon into the actual world and having them interact in a meaningful way. You know, having uh, uh, the fish swimming properly and uh, having uh, uh, particularly the ones that would, like, hang out on the shore, uh, just, you know, sit there and, you know, do their thing until you enslave them. Of course, and then make them fight for you. Uh, Of course. Uh, but there was just times where you'd be, like, battling and have just just somebody wander right through the battle, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or have uh, uh, characters uh, slowly animate because the way that they uh, uh, did the game with the animation frames, essentially, uh, after it, you're so far away, it halves the animation frames. And then you're so far away, it has it again. And it just feels very uncanny to see a windmill you know, go at like 4 FPS, right? Yeah, it'd be jumping around a lot. I'd imagine it'd look weird. Yeah, and it's purely a cosmetic thing. But it just feels uncanny when they put so much effort into the actual characters and the story and you know, making everything cohesive. And then they do that, right? Yeah. Having it where, you know, people just kind of stare off into the distance uh, during a battle. and Yeah. It's just the little things. They miss the little details. Well, you that, and I... In the performance. You and I went way differently on this one. <laughs> so, my Uncanny Valley Award goes to Hard Space Shipbreaker. Um... Not for any specific gameplay elements, but for the story. The, I mean, the game leans extremely hard into the corporatocracy, um, dystopian future in a way that feels very plausible or believable. That that 
really could be our future. Um, lots of games have done this, and perhaps I might feel this way about some of them if I went back and played them now. But you know, I I can think of like the Shadowrun, the more recent Shadowrun games, um, or uh, oh, you were just talking about it earlier, Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with the again those corporatocracy kind of dystopian techno future stuff, but. Something about playing Hard Space Shipbreaker and that initial opening, especially reading through the contract where the company is like, yep, we own everything that you do, including your life, and we reserve the right to clone you for forever. And even though that's an extreme, extreme thing, because we can't clone people in the real world and, yet. you know, yet, um, you know, here just in the last couple of weeks, we have seen the latest instance of a massive corporation writing, you know, terms of service that says, you know, we have exclusive access to your content and we can do whatever we want with it. And you can't do anything about it. Legally, you're not allowed to sue us. Legally, you're not allowed, you know, recompense or payment. And I'm, of course, talking about Wizards of the Coast on uh, Tuesday's recording. I'm going to at least talk about that a little bit Um, because they're, you know, copying the video game playbook essentially. Um, But, you know, just seeing that play out multiple times in the real world and like, Oh, this is like uncanny. Like this could really be our future in 50 or a hundred years. You know, the technology might be different, but the corporations, the capitalism is still going to be the same. And uh, it's just very, very uncanny. That does bring us, though, to the first category that I kept my answer kind of a secret. I mean, all I did was I took and I put it on here and then I made the text white so that it wouldn't show up when you looked at it. Mm-hmm. But but you can, uh, of course, just click on it and see up in the um, up in the Log little text bar what it was. So. Well, that's nice. So. Best Game Club of 2022. Now, as I have already said uh, several times, we had very, very good games overall for Game Club this year. Couple, you know, couple of duds, but nothing that was bad outright, I don't think. Uh, and uh, The worst we had was just something. We had two that were broken in different ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were... Our, sep- our January, had, we had issues with it just... Uh, not clicking right, you know? Yeah. but And then, the, like, issues with me. Yeah, but there, there were several games this year that I was like, this could be my Game Club game of the year. Lake was one of them. You know, even I had its weird kind of technical hang-ups. I loved the story premise. I loved that idea. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. I did like Bulletstorm quite a lot. Um... You know, I had forgotten how fun that game was to play, had forgotten quite how good um, the sci-fi story was in that. You know, a few things that I had had missed from before. Um, I I also really enjoyed, from early in the year, Moonglow Bay, you know, in January. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some things that didn't click there, but I enjoyed that. The mechanics on it were a bit... Yeah. 
Um, heart, you know, Heartspray Shipbreaker, which I just mentioned, I really enjoyed that game. But for mm. me, there could really only be one best game club game, like one most enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, was Beacon Pines. Beacon Pines stuck out as just this beautiful, lovely little gem um, that we did for our October Game Club that was in some ways very, you know, very spooky. Um, but in most ways, just a very adorable, loving slice of life adventure with a few interesting gameplay mechanics and the way that it told its story. Um, I mean, we spoiled the the thing in its entirety. Um, mm. If you missed that Game Club episode, or if you... Um, it's well worth going, especially on Game Pass, which is yes. where we played it. Which, I did not peek at yours, but I had also chosen Beacon Pines. <laughs> well, looky there. Yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. It's it. It made me cry, it made me laugh. Uh, it was shocking that first time that, you know, everybody dies. Yeah. It uh, had uh, funny for, moments. Yeah, yeah, for a long time, I thought it was going to be, you know, uh, a very lighthearted adventure where, you know, it, it, everything seemed spooky, but because it was through the lens of a kid, and because we were playing on Game Pass, you know, we didn't have reviews to really spoil us. We didn't really have the financial incentive to look at, you know, at, uh, any info going into it. It's just, oh, this is supposed to be kind of a, a spooky uh, uh, Twin Peaks-esque uh, game. Let's, uh, and I threw it on the list because of it. And, boy, it uh, yeah, caught us both off guard in a good way. Yes. Love, love Beacon Pines. I have recommended that to people just over and over and over again you know, in Discord chats and uh, whenever I'm talking to friends or clients I have that play games, you know, I that's that's one of the biggest ways that I build rapport with my clients is I talk to them about video games. And Beacon Pines has come up a lot um, since October. So yeah, I would say the only one that I would have had on my kind of short list uh, for possible uh, uh, consideration that you didn't mention would be The Hunter. And that's just because we've played it so goddamn much. Yeah. Uh, only real dud it feels like we had this year was Sins of a Solar Empire. I didn't feel like Sins was a dud, but I did say, you know, it kept making me think of better games. Mm-hmm. Which it could just be the fact that it's an older uh, space RTS as well. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it falls into that genre of games that I just kind of adore anyways. I mean, you you give me anything sci-fi and it's much more likely to get a better, you know, kind of take out of me than the exact same thing that's not sci-fi. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to say at this point. If you well, want to know more, go how listen. To, how to unwhite out your text. Oh, yeah. I just did. I, I did it. No, I don't see it on my end. Oh, did you unwhite out yours? No, I copy and pasted it. Whenever you told me that you weren't going to uh, have your last couple filled out, I just put them in a text document. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I un unwhite outed it. Uh, let me. His last his or last update was four minutes ago. So yeah, I just refreshed it and it's there. Although yours, if you pasted it in, is not there. I wonder if Google Sheets is just. Having a little bit of a hiccup. Uh, it's cheating itself. Yeah, it's cheating itself. 
Yeah, I mean, the only th- other thing I have to say about Beacon Pines, you know, listen to our Game Club episode if you want to hear the whole thing, but just just play it. You know, if you can get it on Game Pass, great. If you if you can't, or if by the time you listen to this, it's not on Game Pass anymore, just buy it. It's fucking worth it. So, it, which brings us to our last uh, category before we have our debate. Favorite game played in uh, 2022. And hey, uh, it's Pokemon again. <laughs> All right. Nice. Uh, Pokemon, well, specifically Violet this time, because that's the version I played. And it's kind of... it. It's definitely not without its problems, obviously. I did not have as many problems as some had had with it. And I'm not sure if it's just virtue of me ignoring them. If I got lucky, if it's all tied to multiplayer stuff or what. But having a Pokemon game that is more focused on a story is a novel thing for me. It's not the first time that they've done this. But having... uh, uh, They did it in the... Game Boy Advance era, I think, or the early DS era, where it's a more cohesive story. But having that combined with spending time with Anita, exploring, uh, yeah, uh, this world, the more exploration focus of the game, even though it does have its issues with uh, animations, it has its issues with texturing, but still having you know, that experience along with everything else has kind of uh, boosted this game up from contention to, uh, yeah, my favorite of the game, uh, of this year for uh, that reason. Having that shared experience and, you know, seeing Pokemon, ironically enough with this game being uh, more polished than it was the last main, uh, entry or or kickoff entry of the generation because yeah this game has obviously been paying for its lack of polish but it still feels like a more polished game than sword and shield because of it feeling more cohesive it feeling more uh, tied together with its uh, story actually making sense it's elevated for me so yeah so for you yeah, so mine was on my shit list a couple of years ago, uh, and it's MechWarrior 5. I What I tried to do for favorite games, for favorite game this year, was go back and look at what games I had played and had kept coming back to and playing the most. Because, I mean, I don't play as many games as I used to. I just don't have as much time in my life as I used to. But because of the show... I still play a huge variety of games. And my favorite games are often the ones that I just keep coming back to to play in the background. Um, you know, that I'm that I'm playing for fun, that I'm playing, you know, when when no one else is looking basically, you know. And this year, kind of tallying up all the time I had spent with games and, you know, screenshots I had taken and kind of interesting uh, things that I had done. MechWarrior 5 kept coming up to the top of the list. Um, I played it second most this year. Um, but uh, 
kind of had taken, you know, some more screenshots with it. It spent more time kind of fine tuning it via mods and stuff. I said this maybe five months ago now that with, and, and bef- when I said this at the time, there wasn't a new DLC that was coming because there's another DLC coming from MechWarrior 5. They've said this is the last one, but they said that about the other one. Although I actually expect this one to be the last one because they've like teased to the next game. But, um, you know, I, I said that they finally got the game to where it should have been when it launched, which is, you know, uh, I guess backhanded praise or whatever. Um, but you know, after three DLCs and several years of, of updates and fine tuning and some them leaning on some support from the mod community and implementing certain mods as base game, the features, um, the game is is playable. It's enjoyable. It's in a universe that I love. Um, it just ticks all of those boxes. I played Mech Warrior Five over a hundred hours this year. Um, the only other game that I played more than it was uh, Project Zomboid, and I like Project Zomboid, but boy, Project Zomboid pisses me off sometimes. I have to <laughs> I have to put it down every once in a while. So, yeah, I haven't actually tackled Project Zomboid in a while. That might just be... Yeah, uh, well, part of it is waiting for yeah, the next patch since they teased it, right? Yeah, it's the next big update. But yeah, I'm, I honestly was surprised. Like, you know, my, my whole thing about Battletech and whatever, like, well known how, how much I, you know, go off on that series and, you know, bring it up every year in some way or another. I genuinely was surprised. I was like, oh yeah, actually MechWarrior 5 is like in the shortlist for my favorite games played of the year. And then, like I said, you know, the way I try to evaluate them is like, what do I keep coming back to in my spare time? Or when I don't have to play anything, you know, for Game Club or when, you know, nobody's around, like what am I firing up to enjoy some time in? Yeah, I was this just year, that was so MechWarrior dis- 5. I was just so disappointed with... Uh- well, the base Mech Warrior Five. Uh, you I, know, after that one uh, uh, section where you're going through the uh, bay, and it gives you just a sense of how massive the mechs are, and it just felt, uh, you know, lacking. I mean, it's good that it finally got to that uh, space, but the fact that it required so many DLCs and mods, right? Oh yeah, and I'm not trying to make excuses for it. Like that sucks. I wouldn't if I wasn't such a fan of the universe and the amount of games that were out there that existed in that universe were so few and far between. I probably would not have kept playing it, but it's like this is what you've got. You can either go back and play the same old stuff, or you can stick with this and and hope that the you know the game gets better or the the community fixes it. I don't condone that i'm not making excuses for them they just happened to finally you know do right by the game for lack of a better way to say it i guess so out debate time right <laughs> uh, yeah maybe i mean there's there's a 50 50 chance in my mind that either we both say the same game i didn't we... have a pick on uh my on a uh, game of the year okay because um, i thought we were going to debate it I had one in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do you have any in mind? Uh, I mean, that's the thing is that uh, a lot of the top games I have are very subjective or very personal. Like Pokemon Violet obviously is uh, uh, tainted via my time I spent with Adita playing it. Uh, Beacon Pines would be a a candidate. And that's really it for me because, yeah, Splatoon is once again a knee scratcher. So, yeah, let's hear what you have. So, the Game of the Year award in past years, if it correct me if I'm wrong, we've always just kind of decided. There's mm-hmm. never really been a criteria for what has to make it the Game of the Year. I had two ideas. Um, my number, my my top idea was the hunter because of how much time you and I have spent playing that game and from my perspective have both enjoyed pretty much every minute of it. Now, I mean, you've played more than I have, um, but I mean, it's become our go-to, like, let's just hang out. Let's have some fun. Let's talk. Yeah, either that or SnowRunner whenever it's not yeah, throwing a fit. Yeah, I thought I'm about pretty s- sure some of that is just the physics of some of the trucks not really liking <laughs> that garage. Yeah. The other one is Beacon Pines, just mm-hmm. because of how how much it moved me. And, you know, we gave it our um, uh, best game club of the year. But I, I think one year we we had the same best game club and game of the year. Yeah. But I mean, those, those are kind of my two thought processes on what is, is the best game of the year. I couldn't speak to Splatoon. I haven't played it. Um, and that's the problem with my picks is that I, they're a lot more personal this year because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, I have the 200, 39 hours in the hunter granted i played before the game club uh uh, pick so so it hasn't been just since game club i have right at 120 hours so the hunter is is one of the games that i played over 100 hours this year and the fact that uh, it's also one of those games that you can just kind of get lost in and wander around. You don't even have to go blasting something. Uh, the game, while, you know, not state-of-the-art, high-tech uh, graphics, is still very beautiful just to wander around in. So I'd be fine with The Hunter if you want to do that one. Yeah. I mean, you know, The Hunter, I think, is very personal for both of us. Um, My yeah. one gripe with The Hunter is how much it is tied to DLC. And I did uh, luck into buying the Humble Bundle at one point that unlocked everything but, like, the last couple DLCs at this point. I think it was up to everything up to Mississippi, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So being able to, you know, go in at, I think it was, like, 15 bucks or something. <laughs> absurdly low price for just how much uh, content you got and how much you you could just kind of get lost in it. Yeah. When I bought the complete package, whatever, 
that was on Steam at the time. It wasn't that cheap, but it was still a good deal for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do agree with you, right? With how much DLC there is. Um, and how many uh, of them is almost, uh, you know, insult that they're there, you know, although some of them are free at DLCs as well, but having stuff like, uh, the tree stands as a DLC. Yeah. Uh, paid DLC. Does a harm it having it some of the weapon packs that are pretty much direct upgrades to stuff that you would get otherwise, even if the weapon packs are pretty cheap and do help fund getting the bit, uh, the absolutely massive maps at a pretty low price. I mean, that prices are what eight bucks. Uh, I'm not sure. A lot of the weapon packs are five dollars or less. Um, I think the most recent couple of maps were like eight or nine dollars, which were the amount of time that you spend on them, right? Yeah, I mean, you can easily spend a couple dozen hours on a map, probably more. Also, it depends on how much you want to yeah, like grind for a particular uh, animals or uh, do all the missions and side missions, which also varies to map to map. Yep. Which I like to do the missions and side missions way more than grind for the uh, specific rare animals. Mm-hmm. But also just, you know, doing some relaxing hunting. So it does sound like we're uh, doing uh, the hunter then. <laughs> yeah. Give some recognition to the game that the two of us, as a as a pair, you know, for for man date night, played the most this year. Yeah, mostly because the runner's been throwing fits. Yeah, I might, last... have, to, I might have to have you host. Uh, yeah, the last couple helps. times we've we've tried SnowRunner, it has died on us. Which I think it's tied to the map and not the uh, uh, the bods. And I don't want to strip out all my mods because, oh boy, right? Yeah. And I'm not even running that heavy of a mod set, but it would be pulling out some trucks that I really uh, yeah, heavily use. I don't use too many modded trucks, it, a couple. It's mostly modded trailers that I use. It's either, well, it's, I've narrowed it down to either the crane strength pack, which uh, does add a different crane. Or it's just certain trucks, whenever they spawn into a garage, uh, spaz out. And it spazzes out too much for the physics engine and just crashes. You know how you know, it like drops them slightly? Yeah. I noticed a couple times some of the bigger trucks you know, has a weird like cabin issue with them. So it could be that as well. So yeah, I mean, that is the VGL Game Awards. So, woo! We did it. We did another year. I have to say, uh, doing this in two parts, I liked. Yeah, it would be um, better if we you know, actually had our plan in place and actually followed through on it this year, where we released it as a single episode instead of two parts. Yeah. But that's that's our dumbasses. That is our bad. Um, We've got a little extra time. I don't want to, like go off on too many tangents, but I have to say, or ask, um, 2022, good year, bad year, somewhere in between. What do you think? Uh, For gaming or personal life? Because that's kind of the other thing. 
Uh, Personal life, I mean, it was really good for me because, you know, got married. So there was that. Gaming, I I think the bad kind of overshadowed the good. Yeah, what progress happened is overshadowed by, yeah, uh, Microsoft possibly turning into an evil overlord again. Uh, the unionization is great, but having voice actors just plight uh, thrown under the bus for personal gain, right? Yeah. That makes me feel like it's more of a middling year than uh, it was actually a good year. I have to agree with you on both fronts. My personal life overall, hectic, but good. Started a cult. Um, you know, always good to get some worshippers. Um, learned some new recipes. Got a bigger kitchen. Yeah, which I'm jealous of. Um, but gaming, ups and downs. Unionization, great. Um, happy to see NFTs, generally speaking, fall off this year. Um, but, you know, bad corporate behavior. Uh, Microsoft probably becoming an evil overlord again. All All bad things. I think the gaming marketplace has seen um, significant prolonged downturn. Not economically speaking. I mean, gaming is a multi-billion dollar industry. That's not slowing down anytime soon. But I feel like the average quality of games made by anybody other than indie developers has just taken a nosedive the last year, two years. I feel like it becomes more pronounced every year, the more bullshit that worms its way into the mainstream. Yeah, I will agree on that one. Uh, outside of the rare AA uh, developers, the AAA games just feel very cut and paste at this point. Yeah. I, they kind of always have, but it just, I don't know, it just feels worse. And I don't know if that's us being older, you know, a, a bit of maybe I'm old, or or what. But, yeah, it just doesn't feel... It doesn't feel good. Which is incredibly frustrating, because there is so much potential out there, but we have you know, just these companies squandering it. Yeah. They seem incapable of thinking past, you know, next quarter's profits. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. I hate it. But I am happy every time I see an indie darling uh, grow, you know, a Stardew Valley um, what what indie darlings were there this year that were new? Well, Stray was the big one uh, for at least part of the year. Uh, you know, Cat Simulator. Yeah, with like little robot people. Mm-hmm. Although after a certain point, it does seem like uh, Cat Simulator kind of goes away to more uh, just you know, doing cat things. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for other, you know, some other titles that really stuck out. I'm sure there are several. You know, I, I doubt that that's the uh, only... Tunic uh, was a bit of an indie, indie one. Or indie darling. Uh, I'm looking at a couple top lists. Um, uh, Fox uh, uh, Link Awakening with a, like, fourth wall breaking uh, manual. Um, right, right. Uh, Called the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb. That's that was a big one this year. 
Yeah, Anita saw it, and she wants to play it so bad. <laughs> Even though I'm not sure if it's her you know, type of game, but it would be interesting to see her play it. I don't think it's on Game Pass, is it? Uh, <sighs> not and not yet. Although to get I mean, her, it a might be coming, but a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, that seemed like uh, there was it as big a. Or as many big ones this year, but there was a lot of little ones. Tinykin was, was uh, this year. Uh, I forgot about it. I uh, actually played it a fair amount. It's basically indie uh, Pikmin. Yeah. Uh, only you're instead of uh, a, you know a very nature focused game, you're in like this giant house. You're a uh, alien that looks you know completely human. And the entire and the idea of the game is you're trying to rebuild your space, uh, your well, not spaceship, but your transporter to get back home. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's not a bad game, but it's also it, it didn't tickle my fancy as much. I meant to talk about it at some point, but I don't think I ever really dove into it. Remember, there's a game about like trumpeting. Like trumpet stars or something like that. Oh, trombone simul or trombone champion or maybe they maybe that's it. Trombone champion. Because, because I saw about it and just kind of I, I I admit I kind of rolled my eyes at it, but it's yeah because it's absurd. Yeah, but that's kind of the entire point of it. So yeah, so many darlings this year, like every year, but yeah. 2022 as a whole, outside of us, outside of gaming, mixed bag. Um, it's hard to, to think about things outside of the U.S. political realm, since that's where we're at. Or, or well, wait, there's also our indie darling of uh, Beacon Ponds, because, right? True, true, very true. That was our beautiful indie darling this year. <laughs> but yeah, 2022 is a year that it was punctuated with some, some unfortunately nasty stuff, but I suppose that in some ways describes every year trying to focus more on the positives that happen in our own life and the good in the world. Seems like there's not much to go around, but we are still in a time of, of unprecedented world peace. As much as it doesn't feel like it, crime statistics are down. Unfortunately, COVID is still kicking around because of idiot people and idiot governments and their people mm-hmm. all over the world, but vaccines in place, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Trying to be hopeful. Just wish my hobby was uh, a better refuge, but... Hey, don't it's... worry. Your other hobby is uh, less of a refuge. <laughs> my other hobby? Uh, well, well, let's be honest. Uh, I think Dungeons & Dragons' uh, dickery is going to possibly tip up off other tabletop stuff? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it will come to all the games that I play eventually. But the beautiful thing, I mean, I, I guess this applies to video games too, but when it, when it comes to tabletop stuff, as long as I've got the books or the PDFs of the books, you know, as long as people can still read, then we can still make that work. With video games, the eventual march of technology does unfortunately leave a lot of games behind. It's been a while since we've talked about game preservation, but... Well, if it comes down to it, you could always uh, fall back on Thirsty Sword lesbians. 
That's true. Very true. I still haven't played Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Nobody wants to play it with me, Rage. I wonder why I'm already a Thirsty Sword Lesbian, let's be real. <laughs> They're like, Jesus, we don't want to play a game that makes this easier for you. <laughs> you know, fair enough. So, yeah. I don't know, that just kind of popped up in my mind. Like, hey, let me ask you these questions. And then accidentally make myself feel a little sad. Sorry about that. You have anything else you'd like to add? Uh, not really. Outside of, you know, uh, I think the Chick Hadra bot's about to escape if we don't wrap it up. Oh, my God. So I did, in fact, go find uh, stuff about the Chick Hydra bot. I watched several old Chick Hydra bot commercials mm-hmm. um, and eventually did find one that had what I like a good theme. To, oh, no. to play us out last time, so oh, no. the listeners got to hear that. They're going to get to hear that again this week after Rage. You hit them with them socials. Oh, I've been caffeine Rage. Maybe someday you'll find me tweeting over at Gaming of CR because I still haven't tweeted anything <laughs> with the fuckery ever on Twitter. It's just, do I really want to bother anymore? But if you wish to be my friend on Steam, I bother over there. Uh, caffeine Rage. And you've been? I have been Jared. Uh, I do tweet things. Um, not, it comes and goes. I haven't had any major tweet storms, but I do tweet things at JMA4707. Um, I've been on uh, Buff Lady Twitter again. So a lot of my recent tweets have had to do with that and also some tabletop stuff. Um, also, if you want to uh, be my friend, you can do so on Steam. Send a friend request to jarother4707. If you come over to our Discord server, you can hit me up and talk to me there as well. It's the same, jarother4707. And as I mentioned earlier, I do occasionally run a Vampire the Masquerade tabletop game, which is streamed over on twitch.tv slash runicarts. I never interact with the chat. I am too busy staring at... Uh, sometimes as many as 20 PDFs with character sheets and notes in them. So, but I will be there. Now I'm just imagining, uh, you know, like four or five monitors and a clipboard full of uh, printed out stuff. God, I wish I had four or five monitors. I do. I mean, both of my monitors are full and I also print stuff out and have a clipboard. It's hanging up on the wall next to my desk. Like I can see it right now from where I'm sitting. At one point, I had a clipboard for every different RPG I was playing. Now they're all full of vampire stuff. But yeah, that's that, those are my that. things. Well, well, at least they're not sparkly vampires. No, no sparkly vampires have made an appearance in my game. Yeah, Unless you count when they're on fire, because, you know, my players have burned them to death. If that counts as sparkly, then there have been s- several sparkly vampires. Oh, it depends on if they have loot or not, because then they sparkle. <laughs> most of them have loot yes uh so well i have no idea what our outro is from uh if you wish to uh submit your game club stuff if you have any comments about our p- picks or you want to let your voice done you can uh contact us via podcast at gmail.com you can tweet us via podcast i do still check the twitter even though I'm not tweeting that much anymore. Or you could drop by the Discord and, yeah, leave some uh, spider stuff for, you know, uh, for us, because, right? Nope. 
Nope, 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 nope. Hey, it turns None out, hey, hey, Choo Choo Charles was uh, came out this year. That could be uh, our indie darling. Choo Choo Charles didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. <laughs> spider legs are not as bad as, like, full-blown spider. So a train with spider legs is not as scary to me as just a giant spider. Yeah, so you can leave your spider beams uh, on our Discord, which a link to that is over at bgopodcast.podbean.com. And if you was to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our outro is wherever, whatever music, uh, uh, yeah, Spider Boy has. You can find it uh, from somewhere on the internet. And as always, as <laughs> some music starts to roll across <laughs> my voice, I didn't check the music, so I don't know what it is. Bye bye now. See ya. <laughs>